You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast and from CincyJungle.com. I wish we were bringing you an episode where we had more to talk about this week. There's just not a lot of news to talk about with the Cincinnati Bengals. Is there co-host? Really, really slow week. Extremely slow week. <laughs> I don't know how we're getting it through this. I don't know either. I don't know either. Uh, but uh, we've got a lot to get to tonight. A lot to talk about. We've got Andy Dalton talk. We're going to come from that with from all different kinds of angles, all different kinds of questions and, and things of that nature with the news of his benching. We're going to talk about what the Bengals did or I guess did not do at the trade deadline. We've got to talk about that and a little bit more at the end of the show as well. So stick with us. If you want to we love to read your thoughts a little bit on Andy Dalton and uh, your thoughts on maybe his career, I guess, or just some memories. If you want to share those in the live YouTube chat, if you want to give those to us in the Facebook comment section, we'll kind of be scouring that and, um, you know, kind of mentioning a few of those on the air. You can also text us 949-542-6241. We'll kind of look at those. Leave your comments in the Cincy Jungle post in the comment section. We'll kind of be looking at that. Before we get to the Andy Dalton stuff and everything we've got to get to, there are a couple of little announcements and other things, uh, kind of some house cleaning things that we want to get to. Number one, we will be doing another listener questions segment. We were maybe going to take the week off because of the buy, but because of the immense news this week, we kind of figured we're going to do uh another listener question segment so we will do that friday afternoon please join us on our obi youtube channel or cincy jungles facebook um i want to also john this may be a little bit of a surprise to you but our program may be may be getting added to another platform um uh, we we currently are looking at joining iHeartRadio in that application to to put our podcast the audio on that so if that, for some reason, is where you like to get your podcast, you may be in luck. We're in the approval process of that. I don't foresee any issues with that, but I'll, I'll make it known official once that comes our way. Um, so that's kind of some big news. And then, uh, you know, we've got some other news. Uh, we've got a special guest next week on, on next week's program scheduled. I'll talk more about that as we get out of the show just for the sake of time because we've got – so much to get to, but we do have a special guest that will be joining us uh, to talk some the topics kind of a little bit on the future of the salary cap and things of that nature. I think that's going to be an interesting conversation. I'll tell you more about that later on in the show, but uh, we've got a few things in the works, some stuff on tap, and um, yeah, 
how how you doing, John? You you catching up with you? I mean, you've been. Oh, putting- there's a lot to get through. There's a lot to get through. There's a lot on our plate, and there's a lot in in our binoculars for the future. So we're 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 good to go right now. We're, yeah, we're, you react. You've been uh, you've been hammering stuff out on the on the website as well. So kudos to you. A, a lot of news, and of course, none bigger than Andy Dalton being benched. Really, it's one of the biggest headline news pieces in the in the national NFL sphere. Andy Dalton bench. Bengals start zero and eight. He is benched and. Uh, I, I think the first and foremost where you got to start with it is, was this the right move? And was it at the right time? I mean, from a human, st- from a business standpoint and a human standpoint, there may be two different stances there. Yeah. So starting off with if it's the right move. Like we've talked about, you know, this team is in the evaluation process and they need to see where the 53 guys that they have, where they are in terms of, you know, what, how they're doing, if they're worth keeping around for 2020 and beyond that. And they have to look at, you know, they just have to look at everything. They have to take out any, any sort of variables that can cloud that evaluation. So they look at the season and we talked about if they do this, if they benched Andy Dalton, they're in DEFCON 1. They realize that the season's lost. Obviously being 0-8, the best you can finish is 8-8, and and the odds of making the playoffs at that record is very minimal. So they're basically, you know, calling the season a loss and they're seeing what they have at the most important position on the team. And I think we all kind of knew going in, you know, with with, with the way that Dalton has been playing and the way that, you know, they didn't sign to an extension this year, he was more likely than not on the way out. And this basically confirms that he's not in the future plans for this franchise. He's not Zach Taylor's QB one going forward. And we kind of knew that. And we, and we talked about if they were going to do this as, as early as possible, it would be at the bye week where it would give Ryan Finley as much time to actually prepare for this going forward. So the timing in just the general broad perspective of in the, in the early part of the bye week, it makes sense. I just think that for the next, for the, another viewpoint that we're going to discuss, it might not have been the greatest for a certain party in this in this conversation. So, in respect to a business decision, this this move makes sense in in its timing because you still have half a season left. You gave your starting quarterback, granted, a half a season with Andy Dalton and not a healthy roster in a new system, a lot of people would say that's not enough time. There is validity to that argument, but you've also had healthier rosters with Andy Dalton. You've got eight, nine years of tape on Andy Dalton. You've seen a lot. Um, You've seen a lot of good. You've seen a lot of average and you've seen a lot of bad from Andy Dalton. So, um, I mean, I think, if this was a guy that was maybe one or two years into his career and you still were kind of trying to feel him out, that would be a different story. This is a guy who's been here for almost a decade. So exactly. exactly. And, and, and I, go ahead. And I, and I think this, like, like you said, like eight games and in, in that, in that perspective is not a lot, but this, this was eight games of just kind of confirming what we already knew. And that Dalton is essentially a product of his surroundings. And when the surroundings are basically crap, you're going to get a crap result. So this is basically saying, yeah, this is kind of confirming what we already knew, and we don't really need to see eight more games of this when we have a rookie quarterback who we do need to evaluate to see if the same problems occur. And if the same problems do occur, then that would probably confirm their next plan of attack, which is to go get another quarterback. But this, again, this is all part of the evaluation process, and that's exactly what they're doing. Right. And so that, and that's, that's the, 
reason slash excuse slash logic, whatever you want to call it, that ownership and Zach Taylor has used in that quote about the evaluation process. That's what they're doing in part of this. That was the major impetus behind going with this move, right? So they evaluated Andy Dalton and they said, you know, even in this system, Dalton is not the guy to raise play around him with a battered roster. Yes, we all know that. The offensive line is trash. The wide receiver group is battered. We understand that, but he is not raising the play of others. He's a, a lot of people I, I saw, you know, oh, look at all the passing yards. He's top five in passing yards in the year. Yeah, but he's also got as many interceptions as touchdowns. So, you know, th- there's there, there are a lot of things in play with this decision. I don't like the idea that it was on his birthday. I saw Andy Dalton. T- I mean, just from a humanistic standpoint, I, I don't, I don't like that. Um, I don't like that, and I, I don't like that. They, it, it seemed very knee jerkish. Uh, you know, Dalton said on on Wednesday when he was speaking to the media, he said that you know they told him three hours before the trade deadline, and maybe he, maybe they thought they could have traded him. Well. The Bengals don't seem to want to trade him or they didn't get good offers for him or whatever. So I think if they wanted to trade him, they would have done that. But I mean, from a player standpoint and a human standpoint, I understand Dalton's frustration. I understand where that maybe gives the organization a black eye. But um, from a business standpoint, I think this makes sense. We also said, John, in previous episodes, if the Bengals, we had been asked so many times from people, when are the Bengals going to go to Finley? When are they going to do it? When are they going to do it? If the Bengals were to go to Ryan Finley, this bye week was where it is. You give him the exact amount of games that you would give Dalton. You give him ample time to prepare as a starter, at least as ample of time as possible in in the middle of a season as a starter. So this really is the time that you would make this move. Exactly. And (laughs) I just think... The, the whole doing it on his birthday is, is just funny to me because like this is an organization that just doesn't make this decision. And it's something that we see a lot throughout the NFL. And it's just one of those things where you just don't see it that often for the Bengals. The last time that they did this was in 2002 in like week three when they when they uh, started John Kidden over Gus Farratt. And I guess it's the first time they're turning to a rookie quarterback since before the turn of the 21st century. So this was very, this was just an out of the blue move, you know, and but in all, in all honesty, Zach Taylor and the organization had to have been thinking about it because they were getting questions after week seven about, you know, when is the time to, to put Finley yeah. out there? So this kind of segues into our next segment about, okay, you're going to bench Dalton. You basically confirm that he's not in the long-term plans. He's basically out the door in 2020. So why hold on to him? Why not trade him? Because you did this three hours before the trade deadline. You basically pissed off the quarterback who was getting benched because he was trying to contact his agent about, hey, are there any trade offers that, that we can jump on? And there was essentially no time to work anything out because I, I'm, of the, I'm of the belief that you could find a suitor if you were to be given more time. The guy, teams like the Bears, Broncos, maybe even the Redskins, they're in dire need of a quarterback to evaluate their own rosters. And it, like even specifically with the Bears and how much they're in win-now mode and they could use an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky. So I do believe that you could have been able to trade him but the fact that you did this three hours before the trade deadline was basically absurd. And I understand where Dalton's frustration was coming at. And there are people who are saying, well, maybe the timing with, you know, traveling to London kind of, no, 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 no. You, you knew that this was a possibility that you could have done and you had ample time to do this. And I just don't understand 
not telling him before you announced on Tuesday. But you're right. If they if they did this the way that they did, and that's what happened, they had no intention of trading him in the first place. But should they have traded him? I, I think they should have. Well, I think to to your first point, I think maybe they were were they were they looking to avoid an awkward plane ride home <laughs> uh, to 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 tell him on the plane ride. By the way, uh, in the live YouTube chat, I thought this was kind of. I mean, I know this is tongue tongue in cheek and a little harsh. Dylan Burke says. Who cares if he got benched on his birthday? LOL shouldn't have had that birthday around him sucking. <laughs> so, wow. um, you know, it, it totally, again, I, I go back to what I've said before about what's your, what's your plan going forward? I mean, I, I, I don't, this, this announcement coming so soon before the trade deadline makes me think that yeah now they're now they're just reacting they're not being proactive in their planning they're kind of reacting to things and yeah I understand you need to react if your quarterback's not playing well and you want to see what a rookie has that is a reactive move but just in general it seems that they're being reactionary again instead of being proactive and being proactive would mean that they have a solid plan in place I don't know the other thing is you know, when they made the announcement, uh, all of that, does that diminish Dalton's value, right? I mean, you could have not made the announcement and may, who knows, maybe someone is calling and, uh, you know, they're they're doing it. They're giving you trade offers for Dalton after, before making this announcement. And then you make the announcement, all of a sudden his trade value diminishes. I, I, I don't know. I, uh, I think if there was a time, maybe that this they should have announced it a little sooner um, and fielded some offers. I don't know exactly who out there would maybe be looking. Uh, maybe a Tampa Bay. Maybe a you know a lot of people are saying, what about Chicago? They just drafted a guy, so and they drafted him number two overall a couple of years ago. I mean, I think they're pretty committed to that guy, even though he hasn't been playing very well. So. I don't think that the Dolphins, they're going to eye next year's draft, right? Um, mm -hmm. Redskins just drafted a guy this this year in Haskins. They're committed to him. I don't think that there's a lot of teams that were looking for him maybe to do that, at least teams that are really in a playoff hunt. Maybe there weren't – there wasn't the Raiders who just lost Jason Campbell with Carson Palmer sitting out there to give a, a big deal for – there just wasn't that scenario this year. So maybe that's why the Bengals don't deal. They didn't deal him. I also think, and I think we'll talk about this in just a little bit, but um, I also think that potentially there may be more value for Andy next spring. Um, and when, it, when it comes time around draft, when after the free agency frenzy teams kind of get a little wacky around that time of year, maybe the trade value ups again, when an injury hits a, a team doesn't get the quarterback they want in the draft, something like that. Uh, I'm, I'm only suggesting this because I know that this franchise is not exactly the most competent, but all your points are very valid. And it basically preludes to the point of this was going to be a, a a more difficult trade to make than most others, especially when you're considering trading AJ Green. The difficulty was already high and the potential amount of suitors weren't that high. And I kind of feel like they kind of did this purposely so they can hide behind that excuse. I'm not saying that's exactly what they did, but I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't what they did. Because that I, I think it was a, a certain NFL, NFL insider that said that the Redskins were, were you know shopping Trent Williams on the day of the deadline and teams had been calling for weeks about it and they were just like, you weren't going to pick up the phone in the first eight weeks. We're not going to bail you out now. 
And I guess Cincinnati opening, doing the same thing with Andy Dalton kind of got that same reaction where there just wasn't enough time because like these things don't happen in in a matter of minutes. It takes negotiation. It takes, you know, raising the prices of draft picks and whatnot. So, you know, like I, I feel like they didn't have an intention to do it. And if they did, they kind of set themselves up for failure because they weren't fully committed to the idea. I'm not saying that's exactly what happened, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was because this is the Bengals we're talking about. Yeah. And, and I just, uh, I just, I don't know that there was a, a specific plan in place. I think probably shortly after the game, Zach Taylor approached the ownership and said, you look, I, you know, I, I, I find it hard to believe that Zach Taylor went rogue on this decision and didn't consult ownership uh, on this. I think that there's a lot of different things at play aside from Taylor feeling heat and needing to get a win, his first win as a, as a new head coach. I think also the lack of butts and seats at the stadium it caused, Great by, point. caused by a blase offense is something that maybe pushed this. And there are so many polarizing people. I'm seeing all kinds of people tonight in, the, in our channels here that have polarizing opinions on Andy saying the Bengals did him wrong and so many other people saying, you know, it, it was time. Probably the it was time people uh, are, are, you know, those are the people that aren't buying the the tickets. And uh, I think that that may have had uh, a potential impact on this decision um, going forward here. And, you know, somebody aside from throwing out little little jabs here says uh, Mike Brown doesn't deal. Um, Yeah, he doesn't really he doesn't really deal. He doesn't like to have his hands forced uh in terms of players dictating where they go he likes to be the guy totally in control he doesn't like um you know these players telling him what to do in terms of dictating where they go so that is for sure and by the way apparently flat bills are not a thing on hats uh a lot of people are talking about my flat billed hat i don't really understand that but uh sorry guys that's how i wear my hats get over it maybe not for the demographics over 40 which i guess is our viewership but yeah i I don't i have seen like two or three comments about that it's just a freaking hat guys get over it jeez louise um so the other thing i i i thought this was interesting john there were a lot of people and not just fans, and and I think part of it is because, you know, Dalton's a likable guy. He's had success in this league. But I, I just found it kind of interesting that, especially on Twitter, there were a lot of former Bengals players, a lot of guys who played with Andy Dalton, who came to his, came to his aid, came to his rescue, came to his defense. Um, I, I know Andrew Hawkins said, wow, I, something to the effect of, wow, ship him to Chicago basically kind of hinting at the fact that that guy deserves a chance to start and that, and the bears need a guy like Dalton, George Aloka, former, former safety with the Bengals spent a lot of time with, with the Bengals and with Dalton saying, you know, not his fault. The offensive line was terrible, you know, a lot of injuries, all that kind of stuff, kind of basically coming to Dalton's defense. Brandon LaFell said, wow, like he was surprised about that. Um, and then you had Andrew Perloff of the Dan Patrick show among others kind of saying, you know, this is, this isn't, you know, it's not Dalton's fault or, Oh, like making the sarcastic statement of, Oh, it's it's Dalton's fault that AJ green's hurt and blah, 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 blah. So I guess really where I'm more focusing on are the former players. Were you surprised at them coming to the defense publicly, especially since they're not playing with him anymore? Obviously if they were guys on the team currently, that were coming to his defense, you would expect that. It's more 
guys who aren't playing with him anymore? I think you can look at this with two ways. Number one, when you're talking about former players specifically, they kind of think differently than like us analysts and nerds who have never played in the NFL before. And they they, they see it as literally Andy Dalton in an awful situation for most quarterbacks to be in having that awful offensive line, having a non-existent running game, not having your best receiver. And they look at all those individual elements and say, well, what the hell do you expect Andy Dalton to do? Like, just be Superman? Like, this is not his fault. He shouldn't be punished like this in the way that they did him wrong. So, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, Dalton is a great guy. I'm assuming he's a great teammate, a great locker room presence. And I, I'm sure he has the utmost respect from, from those former teammates and those other guys in the media and whatnot. So I'm not terribly surprised from that angle because that's something that we see a lot for you know, current players who kind of go through these other situations, but also there was, in a similar way, there was a defense to Marvin Lewis getting fired like this because I think most players and, and analysts in the media realize that the Bengals are just a tough place to succeed and win in general. And the sympathy with Marvin was he always overachieved or achieved about what you would expect when you're head coaching for the Bengals and don't have a lot of help from the organization. And maybe some people are looking at, at that with Dalton and how he got them from a bad place towards the, towards the beginning of the 2010s two five straight playoff appearances and overall winning record and overall decent efficiency from a quarterback statistics standpoint. But at the end of the day, you know, there, there there's either that viewpoint or the viewpoint of, of just rational and logically like this is a guy that just wasn't it and he collapsed under the circumstances that made him collapse and that's why they're going in a different direction but i think there is a certain amount of sympathy for playing not only around a bad team but also in an organization where it's just tough to win for anybody and when you look at the other quarterbacks that dalton uh, came before dalton and how lack of uh, and how much of a lack of success that he had dalton comparison has done pretty well for himself and i think that's something we should look at but at the end of the day it just comes down to whatever your perspective is on that matter yeah, I just I personally found it um, kind of interesting that guys that played with him and had a modicum of success with him uh, were kind of publicly coming to his defense. And some of these guys are pretty recent in terms of their being former teammates with the Bengals. We're going to talk more about Andy Dalton. We've got more on the trade deadline, A.J. Green, Ryan Finley. We've got all kinds of Cordy Glenn, all kinds of stuff on tap. We're going to continue talking about this, but this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. Thanks to a, there's a lot of you joining us on both our YouTube, uh, Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel and the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. So thank you very much for tuning in, for all of your comments, your conversations, both with us and amongst other fans. I think that's kind of a cool dynamic. So join us every episode as we do that. As I mentioned, we will be doing a listener questions episode on Friday afternoon. So if you haven't gotten yours into us, into our uh, our mailbag, our mailbox, send them our way. You can send them to us a number of different ways. And of course, if you're unable to join us live, you can get the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone. I mentioned YouTube and CincyJungle.com. Hopefully iHeartRadio will be uh, soon to be joined in that slate. So um you can get the show those ways and some other shows are on our podcast channel and the OBI YouTube channel, including Matt Minich's Chalk Talk and the Orange is the New Black podcast with Ace Boogie and Zim Hude, uh, solid additions. We've also had a couple of episodes from Daddy O McDuke and uh, Hoji Smoji. John, you got to get those guys to 
get us more of the audio, buddy. Um, you know, how, you know how hard it is to corral two puppets in the same schedule. <laughs> it's impossible. Well, well, pull the pull the strings, dude. I'm, See the pun. Literally, what I do. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge—that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. But, you know, we've covered a lot of angles here, but we haven't covered how Dalton feels about this, the guy in question. And he, just twenty four less than 24 hours after hearing about the demotion, he went to the media, and for the first time in a while, we saw a very mad Dalton and a very, very true, honest, you know, displeasurement with this overall decision. He basically talked about, you know, the, the, the timing of this wasn't, optimal obviously because he was trying to talk to his agent about specific trades obviously no quarterback who's been deemed as a franchise quarterback wants to get benched so there was a little bit of resentment there but you know the past couple of weeks we've seen you know rifts in this locker room potentially forming either with Cordy Glenn maybe a little bit with AJ Green uh, uh, about the overall direction and now we have this from their backup quarterback now who is basically going to be a disgruntled clipboard holder so is this just another you know, potential rift or, you know, overall bad shift in terms of the culture of this locker room, or is this just the, the usual grunt grunglings of a guy who just, just got demoted? So I had two initial thoughts. Well, I had three kind of thoughts that popped into my head when I saw the clip of Andy Dalton on Wednesday going to the media and showing some, some fire. My first thing is, where has that fire been for the last year, it's- two years on the field? Because he looks like a defeated guy on the field, and it takes him losing his job to finally show the fire that really is kind of that rah-rah rally the troops kind of guy, right? I mean, that that was kind of my first thing. Obviously, I also felt sympathetic for him because he lost his job, and uh, yeah, he's still getting paid a lot of money. But this has kind of been a public thing when people get demoted or whatever at their own jobs. Usually, it's not national headline news and, you know obviously a lot of conversation where a lot of negative sentiments are publicly made known about Andy Dalton. So I felt really bad for him that way. The the big kind of overarching thing that I really thought about is yes, this is, this is a distraction. Yes. Anytime you make a chain, a quarterback change mid-year, especially for a long tenured veteran, it's going to usually be a distraction until the new guy proves that either he's the guy or they're winning games or things are moving in a better direction or that veteran somehow comes back in and re-rallies the troops. But the thing is, is this year, it, it just reminds me how big of a boulder 
Zach Taylor has had to push uphill this entire year between mm-hmm. getting hired late, assembling his staff late. Somebody mentioned Jack Del Rio in the, in the, in the live chats here, not getting uh, supposedly getting some of the guys he initially targeted as, you know, assistant staff members, you lose your first round pick for the year. You lose AJ green on the, you're, you're excited about training camp. The very first day of training camp, you lose your star receiver for two months, three months now. You lose Cordy Glenn in the preseason, your starting left tackle, who was replacing your first-round pick. You have the, the subsequent fallout distraction of his issues, and then you've got your starting quarterback that you've basically felt forced to bench, and now he's very upset and airing that dirty laundry publicly. I think that I, this this season seemed doomed to – from the start. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of been my, that was my thought, even though that wasn't just about Andy's press conference or interviews on Wednesday, it just seems that this year was doomed from the start because of issue after issue after issue, a lot of which weren't in Zach Taylor's control, some of which were, but I, I guess looking back now, I, I, I feel a little crazy thinking this team could have been even relatively competitive given all these hurdles he's had to overcome and and those those issues start with the quarterback right and and the the main thing that taylor said in this press conference was that this isn't this isn't about andy bringing the team down and in andy's comments he doesn't feel that way either he doesn't feel that he's been a hindrance to this team and let's let's just preface this with this he's wrong obviously he's played awfully and there's no other individual variable that indicates team success more than how the quarterback plays but in terms of him, you know, not taking accountability and, and kind of brushing it off, and as in as a, as it's like a team problem, not necessarily him. Let's 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 put ourselves in his shoes. When he left TCU, he was their all-time leading passer. He was the Rose Bowl champion. He outran JJ Watt to the corner to get a go-ahead touchdown. He was the offensive player of the year. The one year he started in high school, he's a legend in Katy, Texas. Then he gets to Cincinnati, and for eight more years, he's placed on a pedestal. After three straight awful playoff games, he's given a $100 million contract, proclaimed as the franchise quarterback, and after that, he's just never challenged, and he's always been coddled. So for a good portion of his life, Dolan has seen himself as this guy, and when you think you're that guy and tell someone new tells you that you aren't, humble pie in itself is just tough to swallow. And he's and it took him a while in his career to really start taking accountability because of the situation that he was placed in Cincinnati. So yeah, you can you have the right to discredit Dalton for not making himself accountable. And that's something that I saw a lot on Twitter today. Just people like, you know, you're the reason why we're in this place. I don't know why you're not taking responsibility for this, but you also have to understand the effect of how this team has treated him leading up to this point and how that has affected you know, his outlook on this current situation. So I don't entirely blame him for reacting the way that he has. I, cause I can just understand, you know, just the reality of the situation that he has been in for most of his life and just kind of how he's taking it right now. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I mentioned this, I did a little brief um, kind of news update episode on Tuesday, kind of talking about this stuff and the trade deadline. And um one of the things I just brought up and you've, you've kind of jogged my memory on it based on what you just said was, you know, this may have been as weird as it sounds. We we complained like the people who wanted Dalton to be pushed this year. Oh, they just drafted a fourth round rookie. Who's not going to be nothing more than his backup. But I, I, as he's benched, you kind of think, well, new coach who wants more out of his quarterback. He drafted a quarterback. Maybe this actually was kind of the first year that Dalton felt a little guy like he was, looking over his shoulder a little bit um, mm-hmm. because Finley was Taylor's guy. Finley was the guy that 
basically the only guy they met with in pre-draft visits uh, in terms of drafted quarterbacks. They also, I think, met with Dolagala. But um, the they met with Finley. Obviously, they liked him. They moved up to get him. And I don't know. I, I mean, you don't normally think of a starting quarterback who's been the starter for eight years looking over his shoulder for a fourth-round rookie. But maybe that – Maybe that was a little bit of the case, but uh, obviously this entire thing, it's just kind of another distraction. It's another kind of negative talking point with the Bengals in terms of Andy Dalton's displeasure with this with this news. There's, there's a guy in the comments section. I think, he's, yeah, I think he's a cousin of Andy Dalton. He says, John is such a hater. He doesn't like Dalton because he's a good ethical guy. John wants a jerk as a quarterback. Okay. I, I, yep, you got me. I, you got me right-handed. Yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been found. I've I've noticed. Uh, there's yeah, there's been some interesting comments lately, and that's okay. I mean, we can't all. We're not. That's that's what this show's about. That's what being a Bengals fan's about. That's what the, the open discussion is about. We're not all going to agree every single. John and I don't agree on every every single thing about the Bengals going forward, but we're still good friends. Um, but that's hey, that's that's part of this whole thing. Um, I I don't think you want. I, I don't want to speak for no, it. I, I want don't. fifty. I want fifty-three jerks. I don't okay. want any good okay. guys. Well, then you're well. Quote me. Well, you've got uh, you've got one in the offensive line coach so far. So <laughs> at least at least there's a good start there. So let's wrap the Andy Dalton talk up with this. Um, is there any scenario, John, where you see Andy Dalton starting for this team again, based on his anger? That and great look. It's, he had one night to sleep on the news. I can understand he's pissed off, okay? But based on the anger, based on him being benched, based on this coach looking for maybe, quote-unquote, his quarterback, his style of quarterback for the system, is there, whether it's at the end of 2019 or next year, is there a scenario where you see Andy Dalton start for the Bengals again? Jesus Christ. Outside, outside, yeah, I, 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 outside, of the outside of an yeah. injury, maybe to Finley or something like that. Do you, did ha, is there a scenario where he re-earns, I guess, the starting position? Like Finley has to be the worst, just the worst quarterback you can imagine, because it's really it's really hard for Finley to be worse than Dolan right now, based off most meaningful metrics. And no, no, I, I don't think that you can. I don't think you can throw him back out there at this point. It would have to take a colossal, colossal failure in like a, a like against the Steelers, or the Ravens, or a divisional opponent for for Finley to be so bad that you would have to throw out Andy Dalton back out there and say, "Hey, I know we kind of threw you in the dirt, but how about you go back out there and try to win this this game?" Like if you're Dalton at that point, would, would you even want to do that? Like I, I don't think he's in a good place right now, and it's understandable. And I just, I just don't think that they can justify going back to him. I think if something bad happens with Finley, they might look at Dolagala first because I, I, there's just no point right now. Like, and this, and this is why it, it made a lot of sense to trade him because if you're making this decision, you're basically committing to it. And I just don't know how they can turn their back on it now. Yeah, I, I think I, I don't. Unless it's an injury, I don't see him starting for this team again. And I don't. I, I think he's going to be dealt next spring. He's got one year left on his contract. It's, it's a team friendly it's a it's you know i think at that point it's 15 16 million but there's it, there's no dead money if you cut them so i you know i think that that would be appealing for a team i think maybe on draft weekend or maybe throughout free agency especially when the Bengals may be looking to to collect even more draft picks they could move him 
next spring to a team that um, maybe it's like a, a, you know, a Saints situation where they wanted to pick up a Teddy Bridgewater or what, you know, whatever the scenario may be. But I think that he'll be, he'll be dealt next spring. That's my guess as we sit here right now. I don't think he's going to start again for the Bengals barring an injury. Um, And like, like you said, I think, you know, if they truly are in this quote unquote evaluation mode, I think that they would probably, like you said, go to Dolagala just to see what, you know, if he's got anything in terms of being a guy that's a viable starter, even as a backup or whatever. Um, so uh, yeah, I think, I think this is probably the, the sign of the Andy Dalton era for the Bengals. And I think really we didn't want to necessarily say it or admit it when Zach Taylor came in and neither did Zach Taylor, but I think, I think some of the writing was on the wall when a new coach came in. Um, he gave him a shot and, uh, they're only eight. So, I mean, that's kind of the bottom line and, Probably this coach and this team has seen enough of, of number 14. So um, I, I don't think there is uh, – I don't think there's another starting – another start in Andy Dalton's future for the Bengals. Yep. Um, if you want a bittersweet I, – I, I'll, I'll quote another 90s song based on your video, John. Yes. If you want a bittersweet symphony for for Andy Dalton, John Sheeran tweeted out a really cool video montage of a lot of – Andy Dalton highlights. They're not, they're not low lights. They're highlights. Um, it's, it's to a, it's to a green day song. Um, so there, I think it was both an, an homage and a tongue in cheek jab by, by John, but um, I thought it was very well done and very cool. So kudos to you. We'll put that up on the Cincy jungle post we do for the weekly episode. Uh, did you do that through iMovie or what? You, what'd you do that through John? It took me like six hours on iMovie and there are, there are people who thought it was like a jab at Dalton because the, the song title is good riddance. Right. If you listen to the song, it doesn't mean like no. good riddance. No, <laughs> it's like, but I thought it was perfect. Right. Because like, it is. you know, I'm, I'm sad. I'm sad to see him go because he brought me a lot of happiness as a Bengals fan. There are a bunch of good times in that video, but at the end of the day, it's time to move on. So, right. You know, have a nice day, but goodbye. Right. I, uh, yeah, there's some just personal significance to that song itself. I'm not a Green Day fan by any means. Um, <laughs> if they want to come on the show and chat with us, though, that'd be cool. But uh, I'm not a Green Day fan by any means. But uh, that, that song just kind of holds a little bit of personal significance for various reasons. So that's why I was like, oh, this is kind of a cool little montage here. Um, so well, if, you, if you're not on Twitter and you didn't check that out, We'll put that up on our weekly podcast episode on cincyjungle.com. Speaking of which, that is one of the areas where you can get this show along with wherever, uh, many, many different audio platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone. Uh, you can also get our videos on YouTube if that's the way you prefer to to watch the program. So subscribe to those channels. We hope to be adding iHeartRadio to the slate as well. We'll let you know if and when that happens. So um, but we appreciate all the support. We appreciate all the live listeners tonight. We've got a lot of engagement and a lot of conversations. So uh, like seeing that. All right. So Andy Dalton's out of the picture. Let's move on to his backup or not his backup anymore. Let's move on to the starter, Ryan Finley. Right. So, you know, we saw a handful of games in the preseason from him. Um, fourth round pick o- overall. 
at the end of the day, he was a backup for a reason. He was drafted in the fourth round for a reason because he didn't flash a lot of starting material in college. He started a lot of games. He was a six-year player in college. But at the end of the day, he was a very limited prospect. And there are certain similarities to him of that of an Andy Dalton. And I think that's a, a lot of the reason why Zach Taylor wanted to invest in him as a guy who could maybe take over this offense in case something happens to Dalton. Or in this situation, if Dalton doesn't play well, who's who's going to be a guy that can pick up the slack and run a similar style of scheme. And I think that's where kind of Ryan Finley pit fits in perfectly. But at the end of the day, they're looking for somebody who can carry the offense and run the offense a little bit better. And that's why they're putting in Ryan Finley now. And we've, we've talked about, you know, when is the right time to do this? This is the right time to do. So he's getting plenty of preparation, plenty of time to prepare for the final half of the season. But you know, they are they are comparable in quarterbacks, but specifically, what makes them stand out from the difference? So we're going to do a little bit of a back and forth style of ch- choose this guy or this guy for a specific type of attributes. So yeah. I'm I'm going to start I'm going to start with for you, Anthony. Who has the better you know overall uh, arm strength in terms? Is it Finley or is it Dalton? From what I've seen, and granted, my my tape watching of of Finley is a little limited. I mean, I obviously watched more after the Bengals took him. But from what I've seen, I actually think Andy Dalton has a better arm. Um, a lot of people complain, and rightfully so, about and Andy Dalton's underthrowing or accuracy of the deep ball as a pro. I've seen him wing the ball. I think it's I think it's more of a mechanic slash just not he's not good at that aspect of the game rather than an arm strength issue. I've seen Andy Dalton roll out and and throw some balls very well on a rope. It's not consistent, but I've seen him do it. So um, I think. Finley's more of a touch passer guy. That doesn't mean he doesn't have arm strength, but I think there's a probably I would go Dalton with a with a slight a slight upgrade over Finley in terms of arm strength. And I, and I think that's where Dalton had Finley at the, the most because Dalton's release and velocity helped him fit into some windows where he may he may he may not have had any business going to. And when Finley he he doesn't have the quickest release and he doesn't have a lot of velocity on the, on these throws. So it's going to take him, you know, being a great anticipatory passer to really, you know, get get a head head start on these on these breaks in order to fit these balls into tighter windows. Because as we saw in the preseason, it didn't really matter that much because he was playing against third and fourth string quarterbacks and not not, not a lot of exotic coverages. So now going up against, you know, in his first couple of games going against the Ravens, going against the Steelers, he's going against the Patriots later on in the year. He's going to have some tough opportunities to fit balls into tight windows to guys like Auden Tate and Tyler Boyd. So it's really going to beyond him to get the ball out quicker and in a more aggressive pace in order to fit these balls into the windows because arm talent wise, he's just not at that level yet. And he doesn't have that quick release and doesn't have a lot of torque coming out of that release. So that's going to be an area he needs to work on for sure. Yeah. What about pocket pocket presence? I saw someone in here saying, uh, I'll have to go back. Um, I'll have to go back and see exactly who it was, but someone basically said uh, they think he's got good pocket presence. I think a lot of that was based on the preseason pocket presence, obviously a lot easier to, to have, you have far more significant tape on Dalton than Finley in this regard, but where would you give the edger? Like you would give it to Finley primarily, primarily because pocket presence is, Dalton's worst trait relative to the rest of the league, right? And I think it's all, it's very relative to what we're accustomed to than what the standard or average for an NFL quarterback is. For Finley, he might very well have just average or maybe even below average pocket presence, but it's still better than Dalton's at this point because Dalton never was able to reset his feet in the pocket. If it, if he had to be off of his landmark initially after his first or second hitch, 
then he would be erratic and he would scatter and take the nearest exit out off the highway with Finley. You would hope that he was able to reset, move up or slide a little bit and keep his eyes downfield, keep a good posture, be ready to throw in a moment's notice, even when the pocket isn't as muddy. So, and that was something that we saw a little bit from, from AJ McCarron too. Like it was an improvement when he was out there, but was it still good? Probably not compared to the rest of the league, but uh, from a, just a pure comp- comparison standpoint, off the limited hit that we saw from Finley, you have to give the edge to Finley at this point. Yeah, and I, I'm going to primarily base that on this year because that's where I've seen, I mean, uh, based on stuff I've seen from Finley, both as a college quarterback, but what I really watched Finley closely in the preseason, um, obviously played behind an offensive line that was somehow even worse than what the Bengals are fielding r- right now. Um, I saw him evade pressure, step up into the pocket and make throws and make plays. Whereas Dalton this year, I've, I saw him bail out a couple of times and or not step into throws where he actually on the rare occasion, he had a clean pocket. So um, for me, I think again, slight edge to Finley in terms of pocket presence, at least at this moment in time um, that, that's, and, and you know, we can go into the the mental wear and tear maybe that caused Dalton's regression in that. But uh, for now, I, I would give Finley the edge in that area. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with the most important attribute that I'm going to be looking at for quarterbacks in this draft, and that's out-of-structure creativity. When, 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 say he has good pocket presence, right? And he senses pressure that he, that he can't stay in the pocket for. If he has to evade the pocket, if he has to go scramble out and find receivers downfield, how well is he going to keep plays alive and extend plays in terms of just overall creativity out of structure awareness, who do you have the edge over? This is difficult for me because I see there are, t- it depends on what you're kind of asking because there are times where I've seen Dalton bail out of precarious situations and he runs and he may, he'll, he'll extend a drive. He'll get a first down with his legs. I do not see Finley doing that. I think Finley's a lot slower and less mobile than, than Andy Dalton is in terms of being able to run the football. Um, maybe I, I see at least for this year, based on some things we saw from Dalton already in the first eight games, I could see Finley being a guy that maybe can avoid an initial pressure to hang in the pocket and create a passing play better than Dalton. So I have, I I would call this a draw for me because there are different, there are different aspects. And I guess that's a cop out to, to go that route, but (laughs) um, I see Dalton maybe creating more with his legs and, and extending a play that way, I could see Finley being a guy that maybe avoids the first initial wave of rush, step into a throw, maybe get a positive play out of that, whereas Dalton was maybe throwing the ball away more, especially in 2019. Yeah, th- that's probably the biggest difference because I think, like, I didn't watch a ton of Finley in North Carolina State, but I had I came into the preseason assuming that he was basically a statue. He was very tall and he's, he's overall big presence but I didn't think he was as mobile as he was. And in the preseason, he kind of surprised me a little bit because he, there were some opportunities for him to, to create with his legs. And he did he could scoot a little bit better than I thought. So I, I think he's more mobile than most people kind of give him credit for because he's so he's like 6'4", 215, 220. But yeah, like, I, like it's going to come down to if he just gives up on plays quicker than Dalton. And with Dalton, it wasn't the worst thing in the world because a throw is better than just a, a bad turnover off an extended play. But, you know, if you're 0-8 and you have presumably A.J. Green out there, I want to see Finley take more chances on um, on some more riskier plays because at this point, you really don't have nothing. You really don't have anything to lose. So with that specific variable, I think Finley has a chance to really separate himself from Dalton. But 
I, I still think I'm going to have to give the edge to Finley just a little bit, giving him the benefit of the doubt because this is still an area that Dalton was brutally bad at this year. I think PFF has him as like the fifth worst quarterback out of pocket. So just just giving him the benefit of the doubt for another attribute that Dalton was just not very good at. I'm going to have to give the slight edge to Finley here. Okay, what about accuracy? Accuracy, very another another broad one, just like kind of arm strength in in, in a sense. Um, I don't think Dalton was as inaccurate as a lot of people thought he was. I, yeah. I think it, it was definitely depending on what part of the field you're looking at. Because in terms of just in the intermediate portion of the field, which is where the the majority of those big throws are going, Dalton wasn't the worst in, in, in regards to that. I think he got in trouble a lot for underestimating his, you know, the, the speed of his receivers down down the side sideline against a single high look, and he ended up underthrowing a lot of guys. Like I think he even underthrew like Alex Erickson. I, I, I think. Uh, on like a play last week, which on the play was wide open. And then he overthrew, you know, Auden Tate uh, down the left sideline, which is like uh, the most egregious throw uh, that we saw from last week. So uh, like it, 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 he was definitely inconsistent for Dalton. And I think that's where Finley probably has the, the again, the, the slight edge. Like I, I think Dalton was very accurate where he needed to be to keep plays alive. But in terms of just overall placement, I think that's where, Finley might have the overall edge because Dolan could get it there, but he would he would leave his receivers kind of out to dry. Where either getting over the middle, you know, getting a little bit too high, or a little bit a little bit behind him, maybe putting receivers in a bad place to really brace for the hit. So in terms of placement, I think Finley might have the edge j- just just to give guys a chance at the ball. He might he might give Auden Tate easier opportunities to not you know completely lay out for uh, for a, a jump ball and really dive into traffic or whatnot, but. I think Finley gets just the slight edge here because the accuracy was probably his his best attribute coming out of college, yeah. and it, it's something that has really regressed with Dalton. Even if Dalton wasn't the most inaccurate quarterback, but he definitely wasn't as precise as you would want for an NFL starter. So I think Finley, again, kind of gets the benefit of the doubt for what we saw in college. Yeah, Dalton was was pretty accurate, really, in the short and intermediate areas. Um, the, the long ball we mentioned, there were some issues there. And obviously, when there's pressure, he has made the, the occasional errant throw. I I, I think, like you said, you you hit the nail on the head. Finley's, aside from, uh, you know, being a guy that really could fit this system potentially better, I think accuracy is really what drew this staff to him. And I think, um, I think he's just, if you noticed in the preseason, if you watched him play, he did the throw the guys open, the anticipation throws, you know, where guys, the ball was in the air before guys were turning around in their route type of thing. Um, and most of, I mean, it was very well done. I mean, he, he was one of the best passers in the preseason based on his statistics and, and his rating and all of that. So um, I think accuracy wise, he probably has an, has the edge. I think on the flip side though, I think that if, if there are to be interceptions on Ryan Finley and, in the course over the course of eight games, I would assume there's going to be. But if there are going to be interceptions on Ryan Finley, it's not going to be really from from bad throws or ter- you know just a oh that's just a terrible throw. I think it's going to be the predictable the, the you know he he hones in on a guy and he does those anticipatory reads, but it's easy for a starting NFL defender to pick up on get an interception, potentially those, you know, those pick sixes that come out of those out routes. I worry about that a little bit, but I think overall accuracy, Finley probably has the edge there. You want, you want, you want, you, I have one more. Do you want one more? Yeah, let's do one more. All right. Uh, last one 
would seem kind of obvious off saying it, it's just pre-snap ability. It's just checking out of, you know, maybe bad, bad run plays or, or checking for run play, depending on the box, re- reading pre-snap alignment for, for defense is really a, a phase that, you know, was, was Dalton's really, you know, bread and butter for the, the middle portion of his career, but you know, ha- hasn't really done well this year. So pre-snap ability, who do you got? I mean, I'd say Dalton and that's not really fair necessarily to Finley because I think some of that comes with being a veteran NFL quarterback. So that's where this, this Dalton Finley game kind of gets skewed a little bit, but um, you know, I, I would say Dalton. And I think also, I don't think they gave Dalton as much free reign to audible out of things as, as in years past. Um, so I, I think fr- from that standpoint, Dalton, but I think that that, that could change just based on, Finley getting playing time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that that could easily come with that. Um, and, and obviously Finley, the, the other positive on this for Finley is that Finley's not a, a 21, 22 year old quarterback. He's 24. Right. Uh, and he's, he has significant college experience. He's seen a lot of defenses. So I don't think he's going to be far behind the curve as, as far behind the curve as other rookies in that respect. But I mean, he's a rookie. He's playing NFL defenses, starting NFL defenses for the first time. There's going to be some growing pains in that respect. Can he develop that and potentially be better than Dalton down the road in that aspect? Yes, but for now, I got to go Dalton on the edge on that one. And, and that's fair. I think the one thing that I'm truly looking for is like how how much more efficient and successful is the run game going to be because of those pre-snap checks, because there's a lot of times where, you know, the defense would be in seven or eight man boxes and you would just have just this most simple basic run play that Dalton could have easily audible checked out of. And maybe you're right. Maybe he didn't have as much freedom at the line of scrimmage as he had in years past. That was something that was pretty much a staple in the huge Jackson offense where he would just have total command of, of the overall line and would be able to make identify blitzes and identify, you know, if, if like the weak side or the strong side was the optimal side to run on. So I want to see if that, necessarily improves or if they give Finley more opportunities to do so but yeah just like you said like Dalton having that experience would probably give him the slight edge but even still like that's like five attributes that we listed and I I think I had I think we both had Finley uh winning more but I think I I speak for both of us where we're saying even if Finley is you know maybe better more advantageous at some of these attributes we're not expecting him to be so much better or even maybe overall better than Dalton he just these are just certain areas that Dalton has really regressed at and Finley could provide a slight boost, but maybe not enough to be some type of upper tier level quarterback compared to Dalton. Well, uh, not everybody's liking our, our criticisms of Andy Dalton. So uh, watch, watch him play, man. Watch uh, him play. Well, uh, <laughs> and, you know, I think we're, I think we're being critical, but we're being fair. And I think we were like split basically kind of saying, you know, who has the edge here? There's a reason why he was benched. And it's not just because, you know, everybody was calling for his head. It's there are reasons for it. He's done a lot of good things for this team. There is no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it there. I think a lot of fans are appreciative, but at the same time, I think we all know this kind of maybe was, like I said, there was a little bit of writing on the wall when there was a new coach, a quarterback whisperer guy. Anytime there's a new coach there, there is a possibility of a quarterback change. That's just what happens. And that's the, you know, I think all of us wanted Dalton to be successful and not be 0-8. If you want to call us haters, then that's fine, but uh, whatever. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Before we, before we wrap up the Finley thing and move on briefly to a, a brief trade talk, I want to ask this. What do you think happens if Ryan Finley wins, goes five and three, six and two, these final eight games? How do you think that that affects the Bengals draft plans? Because they'll still be probably, if say they finish, say he does extremely well. And, and it's again, to, to support Dalton guys, it's because AJ Green comes back. Maybe Cordy Glenn comes back. We'll talk about that in a second. Maybe some of these returning players comes back. The roster gets a little bit better. And Finley provides a spark of his own and plays well. Say they finish 5-11, and 6-10 and 10 after going 0-8 under Ryan Finley. What do you do if you have a top 10 pick next year and you're staring at a Tua, a Justin Herbert, a Joe Burrow, uh, who you know, all, the guys, Eason, the guys that we've talked about? What do you do if you're the Bengals? Do you take that eight-game sample size and say, this kid wins, this is the kid for our system? Or do you then you've got a good problem on your hands, right? Like I'm just being real, man. If they win six games to close out this year, Ryan Finley's probably playing like a top ten quarterback because I do not see six, five or six wins. And I'm not saying that you do necessarily, but I'm looking at the schedule, man. They're playing the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns twice, the Patriots, like. Five or six wins out of the remainder of the schedule would be monumental. And I would just assume that if they win that many games with this many games remaining, Ryan Finley is playing really, really good football. And at that point, you would have to say, maybe we don't take a quarterback. or Maybe we don't focus entirely on a quarterback in the first round. That's fair. I think it, 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 it doesn't really matter as much about wins and losses in terms of just seeing how Finley does in the same environment, right? It's, it's all about evaluating where the real problems in this offense are. And if Finley does well, it may be more of an indictment on Andy Dalton than, than praising Ryan Finley in, in that case, because I don't think they're going to win very many games. I would probably say three is the, is yeah. the maximum. Four yeah. is like the, the most unrealistic maximum. I don't think they win more than four, but two or three wins is probably where you would see if Finley just plays at an adequate level, which hasn't been the case for Dalton for most of this year. So if they go out and stun the world and go above 500 to remain this, that is a legitimate argument for, for keeping Finley because the only way that they could do that is if Finley is playing better than most of the league. And, and in that case, you would say, maybe we don't take a quarterback in the first round, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's more about how, how Finley plays with the same surroundings compared to Dalton. And that would probably mean more than wins and losses at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like you, I don't expect him to be a miracle worker. Um, I, I think this roster didn't do Dalton favors. I don't think it's going to do Ryan Finley favors. Um, AJ Green returning will help, but, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that all of a sudden he's going to go come in and go six and two, but I think it's interesting conversation and it's the classic Bengals late season surge after a lost season, right? And they hurt their draft stock and then you go, okay, they miss out on some of these players. I still think regardless, you do not take quarterback out of the evaluation. No, process. no, not at all. Um, and, and you know, if he, if he does show that somehow he is a guy you think you can trust in this system or whatever, maybe at the top of the second round, that's when one of these guys, uh, 
whether it's a, a from or maybe Jalen Hurts, if people start kind of souring on him as a system quarterback, maybe he's floating around. Maybe you take one of those more developmental guys and you, you ride with Finley again and, and kind of play a whole season that way. I don't know, obviously a lot to be to play out, but I think that that is something that has to be in the periphery of everybody in terms of how this could play out um, in terms of a good problem, I guess, and what the Bengals would do. I still think you want to look at quarterback if, if that's the case, but um, they may opt to do the Dalton plan where – they they say let's just restack the roster around this guy and see and see if that's the that's the way to go. I, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying I would do I, that. I know, I know, I know. I, I, just, um, I, I I I just think that you, it's easy to get baited into that if you're if this guy comes in and lights a fire under this team and somehow they're they're pretty successful the rest of the way. Exactly. Like there, there there's just no scenario where you wouldn't take quarterback off the table Ryan Ryan Finley and who he is and I don't expect him to be anything much different than who we think he is should not prohibit you from looking at somebody who can be franchise altering and like we said many many times the only way this this franchise this organization gets out of this depressing purgatory is if they have a franchise altering talent at the most important position in the game that's probably not gonna be Ryan Finley if he is if by some minuscule chance that he is great they found a diamond in the rough but more more likely than not, he's not. And how however many wins that he has this year shouldn't deter them from th- from thinking that. Yeah, interesting thought too by uh, Ty- I think it was Tyler Thice, uh in the live Facebook chat says Finley could go four and four and be used as trade bait. Um, you know that <laughs> happens too. Uh, just trade away all your quarterbacks next year. Who got you know? Um, but yeah, it'd be a good problem to have in a lot of respects. It'd also be a challenging decision to make for the Bengals, I think, going forward. Let's talk about the trade deadline, John. We've talked quarterbacks enough already today. And at the trade deadline, we already talked about Dalton potentially should he or should he be traded. Really the guys I think we want to focus on, Cordy Glenn and A.J. Green. Let's talk a little bit Cordy Glenn. We've only got a few minutes left here. Let's talk a little bit Cordy Glenn. I I heard an interesting interview from Dave Lapham, who was on Lance McAllister's show. And in it, he basically said, Cordy Glenn doesn't love football. He doesn't want to play in Cincinnati anymore. Obviously this injury issue is, and how it's been handled is not something that he has liked. Um, I don't know that many teams may have come calling or really with anything of note in terms of a trade offer, but should the Bengals have looked to, to move him regardless? Yeah, I think there was some rumors from, I think, first reported by Tyler Dragon, who works for the Inquirer, that they were listening, at, at least to calls about Glenn. But I feel like if that was the one guy that they were kind of okay to deal with, they were, again, putting themselves in a bad position because for all the guys who were potentially available, that's the guy that I would think is the least attractive to other NFL teams, not only for the fact that he hasn't played this year, but even when he has played. At this point, he's like 30, 31 years old, maybe maybe just 29, but and he just hasn't been any better than just an average left tackle. And for the teams who would be buyers of the trade deadline, most of those teams are already pretty, pretty much set at offensive tackle. So I think the demand probably wasn't that high for a player who really isn't that good. And honestly, like even before he got got to Cincinnati, I think there was a, a reason why the Bills were okay with dealing with him was because he kind of, you know, put them through a similar situation where he was dealing with injuries, and they didn't they themselves didn't feel like he was returning at at a, at a timely rate 
And that's kind of why they were okay with it, to deal him away. And I think the Bengals are also experiencing some similar issues with him. I'm not saying either side is right. I'm, I usually side with a player for this one, and especially for a player who's been out with a concussion for more than two months, which is a pretty gnarly injury to think about. But I, I do think that if this was the one guy that they were okay with dealing away, they probably priced him a little bit too high for a market that wasn't very big. And they kind of set themselves up for failing. That's why he's still in the Bengals. Uh, yeah, I you know I I don't want to I wouldn't say get rid of him for a you know a cheap price. I kind of threw out the idea, hey, get get him give him away in a in a relatively high pick to Washington for uh, Trent Williams, um, <laughs> you know. But they wouldn't do do that, obviously. All but, my criticisms of Mike Brown would have evaporated, that right? Happened. Right. Um, but obviously, that's that's a pipe dream with this with this ownership. Um, I, I was a little surprised they didn't, you know, and I'd hate to say, I'd hate to see him not change his mind and not play for the Bengals again. And then they just dump him and don't get anything for him. But um, I think also a lot of this stuff with a lot of these players that are, that were trade bait and, or may enter free agency. I think Cordy still has a, a year left or so on his deal. I think he's through, mm-hmm. with the team through 2020, but guys like green guys, like Eifert that were not dealt that are set to be free agents. I think the Bengals did not in part, let them go because of the compensatory pick type of deal. Um, I, I they, they love that. And even though green's been hurt and that, you know, his season production from the year prior, um, could play into that. Obviously his season production, maybe somewhere else would play into a compensatory pick if he was to leave. So, um, I, you know, I, I, am a little surprised that Glenn wasn't dealt. I am not surprised that AJ green was not dealt. I, I, they told us they weren't going to trade him. This team and this ownership is very dead set on. If they say, come out and say something, they're, 95% sticking to it. They don't play a lot of shell games. That's not what this team is about. Mike Brown loves wide receivers. I've said this a bunch of times. He pays wide receivers. He loves wide receivers. AJ Green has made it known at least before this injury and before the 0-8 start that he really wants to stay in Cincinnati. So I think that I am not surprised about this. Um, I don't know about you. I don't know what they would have been offered. Um, I would assume probably pretty high and they got some criticism for not trading him. But like I said, I don't really care as long as there's a solid plan in place where you either trade them or you keep them beyond 2020. Yeah. Like that's the biggest disconnect I think between the Bengals and their fan base and the local media and the national media and the analysts, because they were stunned that not only did the Bengals not trade green, but not do anything. And when they really said, we're not trading green and we're not trading anybody. And I, I, like is something that we talked about a couple weeks ago. They purposely overvalue their their veterans, regardless of the situation of the team, because you know those are their assets, and they believe that they're not that far away, regardless if they're wrong, which they pretty much are in this case. But you know, like with Green, like like you said, as long as they resign him, nothing really it gets blown away here. They don't they don't need another first round pick to get a quarterback because they're already going to be in, in a position to do so. But yeah, like like. Green wants to stay here, and I personally do believe that. I don't believe he's lying just to save face or to make better PR. I do believe that he he does idolize Larry Fitzgerald in that way, and he is interested in coming back, coming back to Cincinnati. And there's a lot of people saying, I don't know why he's putting himself through this. Well, it's just it's just what the guy wants, right? If the guy doesn't want to be traded and the guy is valued by the organization, then there's no reason to really force a trade out of there. And you know, if they would have gotten him for a first or a second round pick, that would have been great. For, 
that would have been great because to your point, they do love compensatory picks, but they only have seven draft picks this year. And I thought that would spur a little bit more action to, to deal away maybe a Tyler Eifert or a Cordy Glenn to get extra draft picks for the up, up, for the upcoming draft because they only have seven. But tra- not trading away AJ Green is not the worst thing in the world. And like you said, I'm not surprised that they didn't do it. I'm not surprised yeah. they didn't cave. Yeah, and like I like we we talked about earlier, you know, a, a Glenn or a Dalton trade could happen in the spring, and and maybe the value at that point is a little higher than what they would have been offering based on Glenn's not wanting to play for the Bengals, Dalton being benched, and and you know a couple hours later he may be on the trade market. Maybe next spring you could get a better haul than you could right now because the trade the market value is low for both of those guys based on some news surrounding them quickly john do you think they should have traded for anybody or or either traded for or trade away anybody like for how much demand the apparent apparent demand that they were getting for some veterans besides jj green yes they should they should have tried to trade cordy they probably should have tried to trade eifert who apparently they were supposedly trying to shop but that obviously didn't amount to anything hell even drake kirkpatrick was apparently getting interest like if drake if somebody wants drake kirkpatrick please trade drake kirkpatrick you do not need him like honestly like you just like, became uh john from kentucky's best friend by the way by saying that <laughs> like yes they, they, they should have put themselves in a better position to trade dalton they should have wanted to trade dalton with how they handled this if they don't want to trade green fine but don't hold on to the rest of these lame duck contracts you're you're not using i for this year he's a free agent you're probably not going to pay him you're de- you definitely shouldn't be paying drake or patrick as much as you do you already ruined the relationship ship of Cordy Glenn those are guys who you should have been actively trying to shop and they didn't try to do that for anybody except maybe Glenn so yes they should have been active at the trade deadline am I surprised that they weren't no because I'm not an idiot yeah I I just I I think they probably could have they should have moved maybe a couple of those guys um I think I think if Green is like I said, I think it, it sounds like they want him to be part of the long term plans, at least long term being probably the rest of his career, however long that may be. I think they want him to be in the long term plans for whoever is the quarterback next year. So I think that's why they hung on to him. He doesn't want to be franchised, but I think the Bengals, if worse comes to worse, will franchise him. So I think you can expect AJ Green in some capacity to be a Bengal next year, and that's a good thing. Um if he's healthy and out there. So, you know, I, I'm kind of like, yeah, that's okay. If you didn't trade him. Um, I, some of these others, I think, like you said, they're kind of dead weight on the roster. Um, Kirkpatrick, you know, I'm hot and cold on, on his performance. Uh, Glenn, I just think that that's maybe a distraction you just don't need. Um, and he's not play. It's not like he's playing for you and being a distraction. He's just, not he's not doing anything and he's a distraction whether mm-hmm. it's his doing it the organization's doing whatever you know both sides whatever um it's just not a good situation and you kind of maybe want to it's one of those things best for both of us let's just cut ties you know um but they didn't the Bengals stayed put they didn't deal anybody away they didn't trade for anybody and uh it's kind of a predictable trade deadline for the in that regard for the Cincinnati Bengals I'd say yeah I, that, that's all I have to say about it <laughs> honestly <laughs> that's all I have to say about it, about it. Uh, <laughs> all right well we're gonna get out of here before we do um I want to get some final thoughts from you John but uh as I mentioned earlier we are going to be doing a 
listener questions episode on Friday afternoon. We'll we'll decide on a time, but it's kind of usually around that three thirty three ish Eastern time. Uh, I think John, if you're good with that, we'll probably stick around that time. Uh, but we'll let you know through our our social media, and obviously it'll be on Cincy Jungle and whatnot. So join us then. You can call, text, email, get into a tweet at us uh, in the comment thread when that post goes up. Send us questions, join us live, submit them in the chat. We'll go through a bunch of stuff. Even though it's the bye week, uh, there is a lot of stuff. And unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of questions and pe- things want people want answered in this show tonight. Unfortunately, we just had so much to get to, we couldn't cram it in. Um, I just wanted to mention on next week's episode, we're going to have uh, attorney and author Jim Quinn, who wrote the book, uh, Don't Be Afraid to Win, How Free Agency Changed the Business of Pro Sports. Um, so I, I will at that point, I believe have a copy of the book. They're sending me a copy, John, if you'd like one, I can, I can probably get one sent over to you. Absolutely. Uh, and don't be afraid to win. Quinn provides a unique point of view of someone who is personally involved in making changes happen in the business. Uh, he takes readers along, um, you know, five, what the next five years hold for labor peace in the sports world. Um, but he's particularly interested in the MLB and the NFL. And I thought he was going to be a very interesting person to talk to because of the Bengals approach to free agency or lack thereof. Um, and you know, his insight. So I'm really excited about the interview. Maybe stuff that makes me feel like I am super dumb because this guy's probably really smart. So, um, I am very interested in that. You'll be, you'll be wanting to hear that interview either live or, um, after the fact. So we'll have him on next Wednesday's show. We hope that you'll join us. That was kind of my final thought, final tease, John. Um, aside from everybody going and getting the show, how I've mentioned before. Yeah. My, my final thought is how am I going to spend my one free Sunday in the fall? I don't know yet. What are you going to do? I don't know. Um, I will say this. Um, and I, I, my wife would, probably kill me in saying this but uh we celebrated our wedding anniversary last uh last sunday um yeah last sunday the 27th uh we were actually married on a Bengals bye weekend intentional uh, I, I, yeah i was about to say it better be intentional <laughs> uh so i'm sure i'm not the only person to have scheduled that but maybe i'm the only person from southern california and who does not have cincinnati roots to ever do that um but uh, fun little fun little anecdote about Anthony. Uh, you're learning about you're learning about this guy's mindset. So um, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Maybe maybe catch up on some errands or I don't know something. But uh, I, might, I might just watch football. Yeah, yeah. yeah usually, hey, hey, there you go. That, there's an idea. There's an idea. Uh, happy Halloween tomorrow, John. Early Halloween. Uh, I think you had a a great time last week. Oh yeah. I actually missed the game. I was driving home during the game. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I, I wasn't that sad about it, though. Yeah. Yeah, well, you didn't miss a whole bunch, but um, <laughs> yeah. But uh you still going to be happy Gilmore tomorrow? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm too old to actually go out on Halloween now, I think. Okay. So okay. I, 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 I'm going to be happy in, in my house. Well, I'm not saying trick-or-treating, but I mean, you can still dress up. Like no, like I, I'm I might be too watched. I might be I might be too washed now. I'm, I might have to take a week off after this week. You know what I mean? Okay, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah, give the body some recovery time, right? Uh, yeah. Well, happy Halloween, everybody. Enjoy yourself. Be safe. Good. Uh, have a good time. But 
yeah, like I said, be safe. And we will see you on Friday, if not then, next Wednesday. For John Sheeran, I'm Anthony Cazenza. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.